Hello, good evening. We are turn again with us to Psalm 119. We're in Psalm 119 and uh, continuing our journey through Psalm 119. Maybe think of the series, the study title as Not My Bread Alone. That is, we are recognising what Jesus did and what the very psalmist did as well, that we live by the word of God. And the theme in verses 9 to 16, which is the next section, is very much sanctification. We live in sanctification as believers from the first nanoseconds of our conversion to the final time we close our eyes in this world. So we live most of the Christian life in sanctification. But yet sanctification is not for the faint of heart. This passage, like the passage last week, and like many that lie ahead, speaks over and over of God's word as God's word. I really want not to lose that and to stay with that. If you think of what has sustained churches like ours in the last year, it has been uh, the God's word. God's word is at the centre of what we do, and I'm so thankful for that. And we emphasised that last time, but look at how it happens again, just if you scan verses 9 to 16. Again, in verse 9, the word is not simply named the word. It is your word, so it's God's word. Again, in verse 10, the commandments are not just commandments. They are your commandments, God's commandments. In verse 11, the word is again not just your the word but it is your word is god's word and in verse 12 the statutes are not simply the statutes they are your statutes god's statutes verse 13 the rules are not just the rules they are the rules of your mouth which is a beautiful way isn't it to speak of god's rules and in verse 14 it isn't only the testimonies it is your testimonies god's testimonies in verse 15 it is not just the ways, it is your ways. And again in verse 16, it is not, again, simply the statutes or the word, but your statutes, your word, God's statutes, God's word. There is an emphasis throughout this psalm, and again in this section of Psalm 119, the word of God is the word of God. God's words are God's words. And that's so important. Many have lost their way on this. And keeping these things together is an important theological point for sanctification. And it may well have been one of the significant breakdowns that occurred after the exile that led to the rise of an external, only formal religion that was propounded by the Pharisees. They unwittingly separated God from his word. Now, you already see if you've allowed your eyes to drift to verse 9, that this psalm is addressed in a specific way to young men. And I just thought of that, well, you know, should I just quickly brush through this? Because um, I know a lot of us are young, but this could, there, there could be younger men. But don't, so don't feel discriminated again if you think that I'm no longer a young man or <laughs> never been a young man. In fact, when I'm done, you may be very glad that you're not in that category tonight. But it's important and it's almost like a prophetic word, I think, in a way that it's what we look forward to as the church. And it's also, it's what we... Um, are, are all about, about seeing men and women, boys and girls, 
come to a saving knowledge of, of Jesus as Saviour and Lord. The psalmist is talking about sanctification here. Sanctification for all believers. But what he says, he has a specific application to young in general and to young men specifically. With all that being said, let us read it together, just these few verses. So it's Psalm 119, and uh, we'll read verses 9 through to 16. And remember, as we start, that this is God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and inerrant word. And may he write his eternal truth on our hearts. The Bible says a lot about sanctification. It is realistic about sanctification. It is so utterly helpful about sanctification. To me, one of the great proofs that the Bible is true is that the way that it talks about sanctification. All believers have an aspiration to be more godly, to love the right things, to pursue holiness, to grow in grace, to mature. We all want to mature. Whatever stage we are in our Christian journey, we want to mature. But all believers know that it is a great challenge and sometimes it is a war, sometimes a storm, oftentimes a struggle. Sometimes we feel we simply lose all of the time. Sometimes it feels utterly futile. And when we feel like that, the passage after passage after passage after passage in God's holy word says to us in the voice of our father, child, I understand. I wrote about this in a book for you thousands of years before you were born. I wrote these things because I love you and I do want you to grow in grace, but there are some things you need to understand. And three of those things are before us in the passage tonight. I want to look at those things together with you. And the first is God is interested in our growth in grace. God is greatly interested in our growth in, in grace. The young man in the psalm is probably the psalmist. So he's probably speaking to himself. He's certainly praying for himself and he is definitely preaching to himself. It could be that the psalmist himself, wise, you know, wise after many years, in other words, tested by time, is looking back and saying, I wish I had known these things better. It would have made such a difference in my life. So he is not about to tell you one of those, well, when I was your age, stories no he's preaching to himself and I want to say three things specifically about that first of all as the psalmist preaches to himself and perhaps looks back on a time when he was a young man we are reminded that all of us need to learn and relearn the way of purity and the way of righteousness here he is writing a psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that hundreds of years of Jewish believers and hundreds of years of Christian believers would go to to base their lives on. He is still preaching to himself. He is still begging God for help in prayer. And he's looking back. There are regrets. And all of us need to learn and relearn the way of purity and the way of righteousness. 
And this psalmist and the very aspirations that he lifts up in this psalm reminds us of these things. Do you hear the history in verse 11? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you know how many hundreds of memories flash through the psalmist's mind as he, when he wrote those words? All of us need to learn and relearn the ways of purity, the way of righteousness. Second thing is that sanctification is for your joy. The word about sanctification in here, the word about growth in grace, the word about maturity was especially applicable to youth, to young people. And we love young people. And how much we long for young people to experience the fullness of life. It is the aspiration of every parent and every grandparent's heart that they know joy in life that we did not know. And they may be spared some of the pain that we have experienced. If we could, we would go all the way with our young people all the, all the time, all the way. And at any point, every point, we would take the pain that they will experience. We gladly would, wouldn't we? Our time is passing. This world will be theirs. And if you think about some of the, some of the things that are going on in our world, how important it is for our young people to be grounded in the truth, to be grounded in the importance of gathering together as the church to be grounded in the scriptures, the principles of the scripture, not the worldly things that have crept into the church, but to be grounded in God's word. Because we will not be able to walk the walk and end the journey with them. We would love to see it all the way to the end. We would love to be there to wipe away the tears, but we will not. All we can leave with young people is the word. It's the word. And not some faddish, namby-pamby 2021 way of reading it, but the biblical word that our fathers and our forefathers left with us and the word that will always be here. And we can commend it because it is the only way. It is the only truth. It is the only lamp that will light our path. And when we tell it to young people, we don't tell it to constrict joy. Or we tell it to increase joy. We delight in energy. We delight in youth. We remember when we had those powers. We long for young people not to waste what God has given them like we wasted ours. So that's why the psalmist is speaking to young people. And I'm unashamed and thrilled to be able to be bringing this study tonight. He's speaking to them for their joy for the increase of their joy, because the psalmist knows a secret that many do not know. Many think that joy will be found in deciding to go their own way, whatever makes them happy. And we probably even encourage that sometime. But we know that joy will only be found, only be found in going God's way. There's an inseparable connection between joy and his way. And psalmist is telling us here. A third thing I want to say about sanctification and is that this young men, sanctification in young men, this psalm is specifically and especially applicable to young men. Listen to these wise words spoken by William Plumer 150 years ago or so. The scriptures would not be perfect if they did not give proper directions, warnings and encouragements to young men. 
Their case is full of interests. By birth sin, their way is already defiled, and they're inexperienced, self-confident, rash and inconsiderate. The imagination of their hearts is evil, their passions are strong, their principles are weak, their lusts imperious, and their self-knowledge very imperfect. Till taught from heaven they are void of wisdom, and their will is stubborn, and they are impatient of restraint. All rules not yet enforced by divine authority are too feeble to control their strong inclinations, and yet youth is the seed time both for maturity in life and for eternity. In such a circumstance, God's word is the only antidote by which we can protect ourselves against the corruption of our nature. One wrong step in youth is very apt to lead to another, and yet another, until ruin comes. Young Christian men are an endangered species. Nothing in this world is designed to help young men. Everything in this world is to break young men down. But your Heavenly Father cares. Your Heavenly Father cares for their souls. And he knows that his plan for families and for churches is dependent the future is dependent on the rise, raising up of godly young men. Have you thought about that? That the future for families and for churches is dependent on the raising up of godly young men. So we must stand with them. We must pray for them and we must fight with them. We must stand with them th th ever, through whatever they have to go through to see God's design worked out in your heart and life. The psalmist for young men. It's important, the leaders of the church, the leaders of the family, to pay attention to God's word. The psalmist has a word here about sanctification, which is definitely applicable to everyone, to all of us. But it is especially applicable to youth and especially to young men. So that's the first point about God's grace. The second thing I want you to see about the psalm is that this section of the psalm is that sanctification doesn't occur by our own native strength. The psalm teaches us that sanctification doesn't occur by our own strength. Sanctification doesn't occur by our innate strength and power and resolve and effort. There is all sorts of resolve in this psalm and there should be and there should be in our Christian lives. There are all sorts of aspiration in this psalm for godliness and there should be in our Christian lives. But our resolve and our aspiration is not equal to the task. Look at the second verse in this section, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Now friends, where was the editor? How does the second part of the verse follow on from the first? With my whole heart I seek you. People who are seeking God with their whole heart do not wander. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander. My friends, do you not hear in those two parts of the psalm aspiration? With my whole heart I seek you. Lord, you know my experiences. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I want to seek you with my whole heart, God. Do not let me wander, because I have and I know I will, unless you, by your grace, work in me. Don't you hear the words of Paul there? Turn to Romans 7 just for a minute. This is Paul, Romans 7 verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, and I do the very thing I hate. Do you hear it? Do not let me wander from your commandments. I do not even understand my actions. I do not do what I want to do. I do what I do not want to do. Say that very quickly. I do not do what I want to do. I do what I do not want to do. 
Do not let me wander from your commandments. And then look what he says in Romans 7 verse 18. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Is that not the motto of many Christians? Lord, I desire to do what is right, but I do not have the ability to carry it out. Listen to what wise old Charles Simeon once said. There is much despondency in the human mind, especially in reference to the great work of sanctification. There are many who wish to become holy, but they know not how. They would mortify sin, but they cannot. They would serve God in newness of life, but to attempt it appears to them a hopeless task. The people of the world, if exhorted to give themselves to God, do not hesitate to affirm that in the existing state of things it is impossible. And many who have begun to do this in their own strength and found its insufficiency for so great a work have given up in despair and returned to their former state of carelessness and indifference. I thought what I would do tonight actually is, I'll, in the, you would have seen it already, but I would have emailed in advance the quotes that I've read because some of them are so rich. What Charles Simeon said sounds like Romans 7. It sounds like Psalm 119 verse 10. The psalmist is telling you that you're not the engine of your sanctification. God is the engine of your sanctification. What does Paul say in Philippians 2? Why is it we work out our sanctification? Why is it we work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Because it is God at work in you. And if you know your desires and if you know your habits and if you know your instincts and if you know your besetting sins, you know that only God can conquer them. You are helpless against them utterly. And the psalmist is reminding us here that the work of sanctification is first and foremost God's work. He wants you to have aspirations. He wants you to resolve. He wants you to long to obey the word of God. He wants you to care about God's commands. He wants you to respect God's word. He wants you to live according to it. But he knows that you need God. He's pressing you back on dependency. Listen again to the wise words of William Plumer. Let us cultivate a deep sense of our dependence upon divine grace, relying solely upon God to keep us from going astray. And then hear the words of David Dixon, an early commentator on the Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith, in a book called Truth's Victory Over Error. This is what David Dixon says. The more experience a man hath in the ways of God, the more sensible he is of his own readiness to wander insensibly by ignorance or inadvertence from the ways of God. The more experience a man hath in the ways of God, the more sensible he is of his own readiness to wander insensibly by ignorance or inadvertence from the ways of God. We need God. If sanctification will not press you back on God's grace, I do not know what will. And the third point from the psalm is God's word is the means of sanctification. We're reminded again and again that God's word is the means of sanctification. And by saying that, I'm not saying that God is not the engine of sanctification. I'm not saying that sanctification is not a work of God's grace. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is the... Um, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not the dynamo of our sanctification. All of these things are true. God is at work in our sanctification. Our sanctification is enabled by God's grace at work in us it is the holy spirit who is working in us indwelling us to sanctify us but the means that he has chosen ordained is his word the word is the fuel for the altar of devotion in our hearts the holy spirit 
sets ablaze. The Spirit uses the word of the Spirit, the word inspired by the Spirit, as the fuel for our sanctification. And this psalm has it all over the place. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart. Teach me your statutes. In the way of your testimonies I delight. I will meditate on your precepts. Fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The mind that stores up the scriptures has its tastes, its judgments, its desires, its aspirations, educated and formed by God. Do you not see that? It's a, it's a wonderful thing. That you are, you are what, you, what you feed on. If you only feed on Netflix or news or fiction, that's where your aspirations will be because it will just come out of that. But if you store up the scriptures, your tastes, your judgments, your desires, your aspirations will be formed by scripture. How can you think that you can help others if you have not fed yourself on the word of God? How many minutes a day do you spend in God's word? You know, that there was a story of an old man who came to his pastor and he was frustrated at how often he forgot the pastor's sermons and how often he forgot scripture that he had memorised. And he said, Pastor, I try to remember what you've taught in the sermon. I try and remember scripture, but I memorise it and I forget it. I listen and I forget it. He said, I feel like a cup that has been dipped down into a bucket of water. It is filled with holes. And by the time I get it up to my lips, all the water has come out of the holes. And his pastor just said, just think how clean that ladle is. The word of God, it forms our judgments, our desires, our aspirations. It educates us. It shapes us. And the psalmist is telling us here that God's word is the means of sanctification. Let me share in closing a few ways that God uses his word for our sanctification. Number one, God's word sanctifies us by telling us the gospel. One big problem that people in churches face is that they try to be sanctified before they're justified. They try in godliness, they try and grow in godliness before they know God savingly. They try and be holy before they've been transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. One of the great ways that God works for our sanctification is that it works for our conversion and for our justification. Secondly, God's word sanctifies us by giving us, us, giving us the promises of God. It teaches us the gospel. It gives us the promises of God. It changes us from the inside out. You cannot live the Christian life unless you've been transformed by the gospel. And the Bible preaches the gospel to you. And the Bible is crystal clear. It was not written for rocket scientists. It was written for you. It is profitable for reproof and correction and training in righteousness that the man and woman of God may be equipped for every good work. God's work, thirdly, sanctifies us because it is so memorable. We may be like that man I just quoted, we forget too easily. But God has a remarkable way of telling us things in his word where they lodge in our hearts and we never get them out. When John Newton thought he was drowning off, a, off the coast of Ireland in the bottom of a slave vessel, he remembered the words of scripture his mother taught him as a child and God saved his soul from damnation. Oh, the word of God is memorable. And fourthly, the word of God sanctifies us by giving us examples. 
It gives us good examples and bad examples and one perfect example. God's urging of for us to godliness is not theoretical. He says, look at how this saint endured trials or look at how that soul suffered or look at my son. That is how you live the Christian life and the Bible is filled with the most powerful motives for living the Christian life. It does not just say do this, it gives you the motivation as well. The Bible encourages us to pray, to pray with hope for the power of the Spirit to work within us and all of those things and a hundred things more. Oh brothers and sisters, God's word is the fuel on the altar of devotion that the Spirit who wrote the scriptures, sets ablaze as we mature in the faith and as we grow in grace. I trust that you've been as encouraged as I have by, by studying God's word. And may the Lord bless you. And may the, what we've said this evening be for his glory and his glory alone. Amen.